I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast for the Criterium to Dauphiné time trial, a 31K time trial, longer than the Tour de France time trial kilometers, which is interesting, but many of the Tour de France competitors here, and it is I mean, it's a hilly TT. It is not as nearly as hard as what is almost a mountainous time trial in the Tour de France, but it's an indication of, you know, who can time trial, who can pace, etc. particularly with the likes of Vingegaard, who was the prohibitive, more than odds-on favorite for this stage, actually. And then Hindley, O'Connor, and Yates, how are they working on their time trials? And then there's the Landers, the Mass of the World, and and Haig, like who are have they improved their time trial over the off season for London? <laughs> Not so much. And Jorgensen, <laughs> who did a really good TT in Romandy, could uh, he and Velasco pull something out of the bag? Anyway, the profile was 31 kilometers, starts at 510 meters, immediately does the Col de la Croix covert, the covered cross, maybe two and a half k's, 2.2 k, sorry, at five percent or near enough. Then there is a seven-kilometer non-technical pedaling descent, if you've got mm-hmm. a 60 on. Then a little 300-meter, 6% pickup, and straight after that is the T1. And then another rolling descent to T2 at Saint-Denis-de-Caban, 19.5Ks. And then the final, can I do maths? I can, 11.5 kilometers is gradually... It goes from like 1% to 2% to 3%, and then the last maybe K is 4%, and it's a little bit steeper at the line, finishing actually lower than where it started in Belmont de la Loire. So an interesting time trial, sort of similar to last year's Rocamadour time trial, I think mm-hmm. a little bit different to finish. What did you? Who does this suit, Benji, before we do the result? Like, who is the perfect rider for this? Well, first of all, you've got parts in this time trial that fit to other riders for example the first uphill section is obviously for the climbers that will probably have a better time on that section but then they might have trouble in the downhill and on the flat section where the riders that have one maybe more technique but also next to that have a higher weight those rulers might be able to gain time on the pure climbers in the middle section of the time trial and then the last section is kind of interesting because it's a type of false flat where even the rulers can still do their bidding so the specific Riders that it fits, I was thinking the Cavagna that had his time on the Planche de Belfia time trial, that Cavagna is perfect for this. Because can survive that, then can do well on the flat section and the last climbing section, but we haven't seen that Cavagna in a while. So which other riders fit that? Vingega was a rider that would definitely do well on this parkour. I thought he was going to win this time trial so for the time trial. So I thought Cavagna, I just didn't like Cavagna's shape this year so far. And I, I think we've, yep. uh, we've made a habit. It's kind of a rule of the podcast that we just, we don't, not only do we not pick him for the TT, we pretend like he's not even doing it. So obviously we, <laughs> we didn't pick him, but I, I sometimes have question marks over his pacing, both in road races and time trials. And we'll see that in this stage. Uh, I think Vingegaard, yeah, in theory he should win, but also the, the downhill is 
the downhill is significantly worse for him than just a flat section because he's still under 60 kilograms and it's not technical. So if he wants to go as quick as a 75 basic physics, a 72, 73 kilo rider, or maybe even a 68 kilo rider like an O'Connor or a Haig, a Groschartner, they have to push 450. He has to push 450, but 450 yep. divided by 60, I can't do maths, is over 7 watts per kilo and it's less for them. So it is interesting how the downhill, I think, made a really, really big difference in this time trial. But one thing, I would say that this is also the time trial where, where Rod Fennard really does shine. The rolling terrain, he would probably destroy people on this, on this time trial, I would expect. But one more thing, you spoke about it shortly at the start, before we go into the results. This is a very long time trial for a one-week stage race, while at the Tour de France, it's a short time trial for a 21-day stage race. And I like stage races having a good balance between the amount of advantage that a GC rider with a time trial ability can gain in a time trial, while the pure... GC riders can try and fight back in the mountains. And I feel like there's a bit of a... It's a lot of time trial compared to the amount of time you can gain in the mountains, I think, in this Dauphiné parkour. Uh, but, I don't... I disagree. I think, okay. given the gaps to say, if you're a professional, like Hindley is yeah. a professional, Adam Yates is a professional, yeah, if you're Lander and you ship four minutes or three minutes because you're not a professional on the TT bike, <laughs> well, let's be real... Then, yeah, you're not going to take that back. But I mean, there's some serious climbs later in the race where, okay, yeah, a minute on Vingegaard. The problem is the best GC riders now are the best climbers and the yep. best time trial riders. Exactly. Pog, Vingegaard, Remco Rocks. Anyway, buried the lead. The surprise winner, he's been waiting several years for it. A Danish rider. He's been in World Tour now, his fourth season after being the triple U23 world champion in this discipline. Mikkel Bjerg finally gets his pr first professional victory, and by some margin too. Now, he's a big rider. I think he's leaned up, if I guess, a little bit. I mean, his PCS says 78 kilos, but I think he's in climbing condition, and he's an interesting mm -hmm. rider who I think is actually could turn into on a on 5 to 7% gradients, and Hilly TT's like, this is actually maybe what he's better than better at than trying to run top 10 in Omloop, which I think he, yeah. he, he had okay classics, but Looked lean, and he knocked us out of the park, winning the time trial. Let me have a look. 12 seconds ahead of Jonas Vingegaard, both with a 49.5k an hour average, so not a 55k pH TT or a you know, 40k pH proper climbing TT, either one in the middle. Cavagna third on 27 seconds, so he lost a lot of time. We'll talk about the time splits in a second. Uh, so yeah, beaten by Vingegaard. Uh, that gap between him and Vingegaard, predictable. Bjerg is the, the surprise. Fred Ryder, very good TT on 34 seconds. Another big upset. Ben O'Connor on 41 seconds. 29 seconds behind yeah. Vingegaard is his best TT ever. Outstanding performance from him and Groschartner too, and UAE overall. He's on 44. Perahot's outstanding performance. I mean, I'd love to see what this kid could do on... I'm not knocking into my shade. Budgets are different, but let's be real. Like their setup is not UAE and Eos Yumbo's setup. Put him on a specialized. Yeah, Ooh. just a pain of special with the Q. <laughs> yeah. Yates on 57 seconds. He blew up a little bit at the end. He loses 45 seconds to Vingegaard. Maybe Luke in the background will tot up some GC gaps for us to the main guys. Oliveira on 102. Castroviejo, the, the, two the two veterans who love a T a TT top 10, 102, <laughs> 105. Martinez 107, the next big GC guy. Around there as well, but Bjerg Benji, yeah, pacing was perfect, and and yeah, just a 
a big, big win for him and must be great for his confidence after being so dominant in the U23s, then nothing, not even really close, frankly, for yep. the last three seasons. And then you beat Vingard and Cavani in a world tour level TT. Exactly. Like, he's a versatile rider, right? We've seen him in the Tour de France last year being a domestique on the days that he was in good shape because he had some days where he was in terrible form, some days where he was in incredible form. And to see him now back to his roots where he came from, because those three consecutive World Championships U23 titles, that was quite a quite a quite a process, I would expect. And then he ended up becoming a, a pro and that time trial capability was still there, but the level to beat the actual top level riders every single time, that boost upwards didn't seem to happen. And then he started to get into other terrain types, try and figure out where he can do other stuff. But he's never also, I feel like he also has never been that breakaway guy either while he probably can do so if he got the opportunities in many different occasions to do so. But for example, top 10 in Gendwevelgem this year, that's something completely different than this time trial. Then again, you mentioned it, time splits. He had his slower time on the climbing section at the start, which is logical, eh? But it's also because he didn't purposely blow up on that mountain uphill section. He, he knows that that is his weaker time. So he tries to take a bit of damage, do a bit of a negative split. And then on the flat section that comes afterwards, in the descent that comes afterwards, that's where he takes his time back on the other riders that are not as good on that terrain. And Jonas Vingegaard is, is the perfect example in this time trial of a rider that did that. And towards the end, Bjerg had a very good last segment, which is from T2 to the finish line, where I'm like, there's not a lot of riders that have their best time in that segment. And that's kind of that false flat uphill segment where you kind of need to be a ruler, but still have the capability of not blowing up after such an effort, right? Exactly, because it's like, oh, why isn't Vingegaard going so much better? And I'll get to Yumbo and his setup and Vingegaard in a second, but he still doesn't have an advantage over a 70 kilo rider pushing big watts on 3%. You'd rather be 70 kilos pushing 480 watts than whatever he weighs pushing the same watts per kilo, maybe higher watts per kilo, but you're not going to go as fast as basic physics. And Bjerg paced it masterfully because that T1 is still 53.5 K an hour average. Jonas averaged 55. So it's essentially, and he lost 20 seconds to Jonas at T1. So on the climb itself, I think Bjerg mm -hmm. shipped 30 seconds to Vingegaard. 30. Yep. He, not crawled, but compare that to Cavagna, who did the climb maybe eight, 10 seconds quicker than Mikkel Bjerg, and also at T2 then was this on the same time. But it's a different story from T1 to T2, which is just before the final climb kicks up. There, Cavagna started to bleed time, eight seconds to Bjerg in that section. This is a flat, quote-unquote, flat section at 55 kph average. And then T1 to the fin T2 to the finish, as you said, Bjerg just destroyed him. Cavagna finished 10th on that section. He averaged 42 kilometers an hour average. Uh, and lost 18 plus 9. Quick maths is 27 seconds to uh, Björk. So Björk paced it absolutely beautifully, and so did uh, Groschartner, very similar to consistent splits. Adam Yates uh, blew up, actually. And maybe he didn't pace it properly, because mm -hmm. he seems to... If I have to guess, and this is a complete guess, mm -hmm. and I, maybe I'm wrong, and he just blew up, and that's how it is, but he finished 8th, right? Losing yeah. six positions in T2 to the finish in the final 15 minutes, but he did the climb 13 and to T1 13 seconds slower than 
Vingegaard and only seven seconds quicker than Björk. And I, I wonder if he got put on virtually the same pacing plan as the bigger guys. And then T1 to T2, he was sixth, right? Five seconds yeah. is the flat section. Five seconds quicker than Vingegaard on the flat section. And then he's 19th on the uphill section where he should be, okay, maybe not winning or being the best, but 19th. So I, I think Yates, either he blew up or they got the pacing wrong with him uh, and they got it very, very right with Björg. Yeah, but when it comes to the pacing plan and so forth, while the results look like that, I would expect that UAE does realize that a pacing plan needs to be adapted to the rider itself, right? Because there's a clear difference between Adam Yates and Mikael Björg and the rider top in this time trial. But the thing as well is, Groschartner, he's kind of the, the most consistent one eh? in this top 10. I feel like he's the rider that came ninth on the on the first time check after having the climb at the start. He's also kind of the, the versatile rider here where he has had good time trials in the past and has had good climbing performances in the past. And he kind of keeps that up because he remains seventh basically throughout the rest of the time trial. But I got to be honest, if we look at all the difference of all the riders and we take a look at the season so far and we, we hone in a bit on Jonas Vingegaard and Jan Bovisma for a second, we go into this time trial expecting Jonas Vingo to win. Has Bjerg overperformed compared to our expectations? Yes. Yeah. Has Vingo underperformed compared to our expectations? I reckon there's about 10, 15 seconds in there, yeah. About, uh, which is about Bjerg's time because he lost 12 by 12 seconds to mm -hmm. him. Uh, 29 seconds. Now, I know O'Connor did a really good TT and as I said, there is an advantage for, for O'Connor, but... Would I expect Vingegaard in a 31k TT? And this is the GC gaps from Jonas, thanks to Luke. Jonas to the other GC guys. O'Connor, 29 seconds. Yates, 45 seconds. Martinez, 55 seconds. Hindley, 56 seconds. Haig, 103. Rodriguez, terrible, 148. He crashed yesterday, but so did Jorgensen, who lost less time than that uh, on 112, maybe, to Jonas, or one, one minute. Gadoof, awful, 210. But yeah... I, this is also being super critical, Benji, because at the end of the day, it's a 58-kilo yeah. rider on a 50-kilometer-an-hour average big ring TT. But I, I do think, yeah, like, I, I definitely do not think Jumbo Visma have a better TT setup, noticeably, than UAE or Ineos. Uh, they, now, they have better riders in, in terms of Vingegaard, particularly compared to Ineos, but is the setup better? I'm not entirely sure. Now, pacing plan is different to setup. So when we get to this Tour de France TT, like we saw with, that's why Roglic, first TT in, uh, what, what's the race he just won? Giro. I uh, tried to put it mm -hmm. in the back of my memory. First TT, awful. Um, 45 yep. seconds, 48 seconds. Should have been, you know, you'd think he'd be with Almeida, but oh, he's got bad legs. I'm not sure. Then the final TT, their pacing plan was brilliant. So pacing plan versus equipment. So really... How much does this TT matter for the tour for Jonas if he's lost 0.1% on the 55k an hour sections? Nothing really, frankly, because the TT and the tour is 600 meters climbing in like 20k's. So it doesn't matter for the tour, yep. but yeah, it's just something to note. We haven't seen Wout do a full gas TT this year, have we? We have not seen that. We might see it at the Bellingham Championships if he does both the roadways and the time trial, which I'm hoping Wout does. Nah, injured knee for road race. Well... This time around, we won't, <laughs> we won't believe the excuse of an injured knee 
because I think <laughs> they need to ride the Belgian championships to do the world championships or something for the Belgian team. You know, something crazy like that in our rule set. But that Swiss being said... Swiss will do two. Yes, two very time correct. Thanks, That's sweet. coming up very shortly. You mentioned the Umbo stuff in fourth. I also feel like a lot of the times this year we had the feeling that, oh, this is a slightly worse than we expected when it comes to the time trial of Yumbo Visma rider. And maybe that's super coincidental. Maybe that's indeed pacing plan. Maybe that's indeed something with equipment. But to be honest, equipment wise, if we take a look at last year, last year they were on point when it comes to their time trials every single time, team time trials every single time, year before, on point, the Olympics, for example, on point. They're always one step ahead, it felt like. While maybe Jumbo Visma's equipment didn't necessarily become worse, yeah. but the opponents turned and made something better or upgraded the way they work on their aerodynamics or, or have a better specialist in town. I don't know, something like that. Because I feel like the changes that we see compared to the bike of last year, which is SRAM coming in and their tires changing and so forth, and their, their wheels changing, like, those same wheels. Things? Same wheels? Yeah. Oh, okay. For the TTs, yeah. yeah. Or they already use the reserves. Yeah. That difference can't be that crazy, no. right? I think you're right. I think that's right. The others maybe have caught up and the, the big advantage they had before maybe or the 0.5% advantage they have is now equal. And I think that's right. UAE looked to, in terms of equipment, be virtually a level playing field, maybe even with Jayco as well and Ineos too. Now, pacing and... Pacing in the rider's legs also matter too, not just equipment, but yeah, and this is all also very anecdotal, just us, just a feeling I have. Anyway, other riders, uh, O'Connor's pacing plan was very similar to Vingegaard's. He was, actually, no, he was slower on the climb than Björg, and then he just whacked the last section. He was only 10 <laughs> seconds slower than Björg on that section. He was third. Uh, on there, I don't know who was second, uh, Craddock, which is just, I don't know why. <laughs> like, dude. He I, was 51st after the first segment, Craddock. And he, and he just whacked the final bit. So, congrats, I guess. Um, <laughs> Pacing plan there was on point. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, mind-blowing. Um, I'm, trying, I'm trying to look at people. Yeah, Yates is the big one where I say blew up. Oh, same with Danny Martinez, Benji. He did a yeah. good TT, like, it's fine. He lost, you know, less than a minute to, to Vingegaard, yeah, but, but yeah. third at T1, 26th, losing a minute to Björk on that final final drag. Crazy. So he, he went out way too hard. I'm looking for... now. Yeah, sorry, we, we do have to get into the negative people, unfortunately, now. Rodriguez the pace consistent. people. Well, the people that <laughs> do, didn't do a good TT. Rodriguez, just no watts. Um because, yeah, he just finished 25th with consistent pacing. Jorgensen had consistent enough pacing, but he just, yeah, he couldn't really stay close enough. And crashed Hindley did a yesterday. good TT, I would say. Yeah, Jorgensen crashed yesterday. Hindley, I agree. True. Hindley definitely on point when it comes to his time trial, because I expected him to lose more time today. As simple as that. But when it comes to Mars, it was a bit weird, right? Enric Mars in this time trial, because... On one end, PCS was reporting that he abandoned, and then Movistar said that he finished. So we had a bit of Schrodinger's moss in this race. He was both in and out of the race at the same time. But he did finish, I'm pretty sure. 44th, 33rd after the first time check. Then 63rd in the last segment 
I don't know what happened with Moss. I feel like the last few days he's not been... He lost time on the first deck, that was already an indicator, but this time trial is, even for Moss, awful. Yeah, Moss is better than, should be better than this, so I don't know what's going on there, maybe because we're in France, but, like, he is not Mikel Lander level, and he only beat him by nine seconds, so Lander just, obviously, a horrendous performance. Carapaz, um, too. Carapaz, shocking performance, too. Like, I know, and it, it is... Same with uh, Guru Benji, they're all losing over two minutes, like two minutes in this TT, whether it's your setup, whether that's blowing up. Yeah. If I look at David Guru, he was 18th at T1 and then 50th in the final section, so he did blow up, um, finishing 34th in the end. The reason you can say it's terrible is because look at Jai Hindley. Jai Hindley is about the same size. He's not a 70-kilo yeah. ruler. He's not 68 kilos like uh, maybe O'Connor or Groschartner. He's a lightweight climber too, and and he's finishing... Yeah, he's not close, but he's on 56 seconds to Jonas, not 2 minutes 10. And is that just the equipment? Is that he takes riding on the TT bike more seriously and trains on it more? Is that the pacing plan? I think it could be a combination of many of those factors, but the EF setup is pretty slick, and so is... Um, well, Mother Stars isn't, so I don't know. Um, <laughs> but I'm just saying there's really no excuse if Hindley can get that close maybe yeah sure the specialized setup is really fast um but yeah great performance from him and it just he now puts a big difference between him and himself and other people who might podium this race and that's the difference maybe between third and sixth in the final in the final gc standings anything else from this tt gc wise benji gc wise no but stage wise something very important that you overlooked now honestly shameful display my friend mr lantern of the house rouge that we haven't spoken about our head-to-head, -head, the legendary head-to-head, -head, Guillaume Martin versus oh, Tobias' former enemy, Johannesson. They finished 35th and 38th. I knew it was on close. On 2 minutes 25 and 2 minutes 32. And the winner is Guillaume Martin by 7 seconds. And to is be honest, me? I actually don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. I knew he'd Boring try outcome. more. <laughs> But yeah. <laughs> a good time trial for them, though. Not losing 3 minutes 46 like I predicted. Yeah, 3.46 would be pretty bad. Uh, only and... Where to pull? I'm just looking for pool. I just... Not good. That's a bad TT, isn't he? Did a better one in, uh, in Romandy. So yeah, just maybe people are out of shape. They come back from altitude. A few surprising things. Um, but yeah. Good to see O'Connor up there. And Bjerg gets his, gets his first uh, ever professional also win. Ben Turner crashed out. Oh, I don't yeah, think that's we a mentioned shame. that. He's been crashing out of everything this season, unfortunately, because he started the season really well, and I expected big things from him, but he hasn't been able to show it because he, he's been crashing out everywhere. So let's hope he doesn't have anything serious. We uh, already heard that Hater had something serious when it comes to injury, Kreisbeck with something serious when it comes to injury. So hopefully Turner isn't out for future races either, but... Yeah, he's out as well. Another Ineos rider buys the dust. Fucking poor old Josh Tarling might be roped into the tour. That he's had the hardest <laughs> teenage Neo Pro season in cycling history. I'm not even joking. Like, look at his race Thomas. schedule. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> nah, Thomas didn't want a domestic for Carapaz back in the day. So in 2021, so he's not going to go. I mean, the Netflix series comes out tomorrow morning. I, apparently, I read a French review that there was a debate about letting Pidcock go for the stage. Um, last year whether he really? should go for this yeah I, but this is just a 
Google translated French review. So anyway, we're going to be watching that tomorrow morning. We'll have our, we're going to do a recap podcast. So get binging Monday, because I'm not doing every Swiss stage. I'm telling you now, Benji. Um, Monday, we're going to do our Netflix series recap. So you have been warned. You have this weekend to listen to the series. We'll tweet this as well if we can, Luke, to, to let people forewarn them that they have to binge the eight episodes from tomorrow morning to Sunday and then hear our thoughts on Monday. But uh, yeah, hopefully Bio can kick on. But UAE looking good for the tour, Benji. I mean, we haven't seen Pogaccio, but he just did a 160K training ride with 4,000 meters elevation today where he was humming. and Humming? Well, yeah, he's flying. And then Yates, Groschart, and Björk looking in great shape. So they're looking yeah. pretty on point for the Tour de la France. Uh, 191 Ks tomorrow from Comoroche-Saône to Salin-les-Bains. Now, it is flat for the first 90 kilometers, so that'll be interesting for break formation. And then Medium Mountain Deluxe, 4Ks, 4%, rolling whatever then there's an intermediate sprint and then they in the at the finish line and then they go and do the coat divery um 2.2 case 5.7 percent with some steeper sections in there seven percent sections at the start then another rolling ridge line descent and then straight into the coat de Tese. so there'll be a big tizzy in the descent fighting for position before that climb 3.7 case 8.2 percent the first 1800 meters average over 10 percent that's 14 case from the finish before there's a little false summit and then a descent straight into the finish. So I hope this is giving me Basque Country flashbacks, Benji. You know that stage shelling okay. one? I hope yeah. this is more selective. Now the climb is steeper, it's shorter, but because yeah. that climb was not difficult at all. I have to go Al Philippe is should be the favorite for this stage. He's in good shape. His TT was much better than I expected. I don't think Laporte makes it. I think it'll be a reduced group. He'll go full beans on the descent, throat of death, and then they're going to hit the finish at like a million kilometers an hour. Alaphilippe has to be the favorite. I think so as well. And the reasoning is also, quick step, why would they not target the stage? Because it's, why are they here otherwise? Because yeah. this is the kind of stage that you'd be trying to control for Alaphilippe. Now, team for it the too. question there is, who's going to help them control a stage like this? Is Yumbo going to put someone at the front because they believe Laporte is going to survive that? That final climb, that's unsure to me. I feel like Alaphilippe has the better hand on paper for this, for this final climb. Are there other teams that are interested that have similar riders that I'm like looking at the start list and I'm like, well, EF won't control for Carapaz. They'll just use the ability if the opportunity presents itself. And there's so many teams that are like that where they will only try and win the stage if the opportunity presents themselves. But then I also look at the start of the stage and it's not an uphill start. It's nothing crazy. It's a flat start. And I'm like, there might not be a big breakaway. And it kind of depends on how big the breakaway is on whether Quickstep can control it. But I kind of don't feel like it's going to be that major of a breakaway either. I agree because it's a flat start. I mean, Ineos really should let Frailer have a go at this stage. It's perfect yep. for him on the climb. And then the full threat of death descent. I don't know how technical it is, but... Please, for fuck's sake, let Frailer have a go. Like, I know Martinez <laughs> might top five GC, but I mean, they have how many World Tour wins they have? They have four World Tour wins this year. Yumbo's got 21, UAE got a million, Quickstep got a million. They're falling behind those three teams. Um, I know they nearly won the Giro, but yeah, let, let Frailer have a go would be my suggestion. 
Um, otherwise, but they're not going to control either. They just lost. Rodriguez crashed. Turner's their big engine. He just crashed out. So, yeah, to your point, they're going to hope the race comes together. I'm looking through. Sean Quinn, maybe. I mean, EF do have some very nice riders to play numbers on the yeah. climb. And Groupama, again, like, wouldn't you love Madouas to get a chance here? Or Genietz? Like, there are a lot of well, riders who could win this stage and who could make the climb really interesting. Even Chicone could attack on this climb. Or even Bjergel. Uh, Groschartner, but they're all kind of hamstrung by GC. I don't agree with that. Um, I wouldn't personally just happily walk along the ridge line with Alaphilippe and then have Laporte come back because if you go to this finish with Alaphilippe and Laporte, you will lose. They are yep. too fast. Um, if you saw, like Jala put lengths on everybody the other day. So maybe Alperson Benji will help for Stanard? Podium von Hills. Ah, oh, he's a good pick now. Lotto should almost help. Uh, he... I, I don't I don't agree there. I think she if you're Lotto, you just put the end in a breakaway to make sure the break yeah. is a thing. Yeah. Or Von Moore in a break or whatever. I'd rather that Von Moore probably is a bit difficult with his final climb, so the I'd rather should. put the end in there, even though yeah. his form isn't shouting that he's gonna win a break stage anytime soon, but that's often the case, and then he win a break stage out, out of nowhere. Anyway. Von Hills can compete for the victory here. I don't think he can win. I think he can podium. And considering this is a more selective final climb than the first two stages, he should be able to get a better result than those first two stages. So I think um, I think I like that pick. What do you think of Zangler for this one? Too hard. He okay. he was no he was nowhere on stage two where I really thought he he could yeah. have a chance to win. So if he was nowhere then, there. But because uh, Quickstep should absolutely send this climb um, yep. with Bagioli and Co. Yeah, so uh, maybe a big breakaway goes. I, I I don't have a great feel for it. Maybe Pierre Latour gets in the break and it's a, a lot of a big break and it's kind of like the stage the uh, via uh, not Viermos. Yeah, Viermos won. I don't think so though. If I'm Quickstep, I really draw a circle around this for Alaphilippe um, yep. and and lock it down. So yeah, should be interesting. Uh, decent final. Do you think there'll be GC gaps, Benji? I mean, I think the only people that get dropped on this climb are people mm -hmm. who are in bad shape anyway, like maybe Mass. Yep. People that are not at their top will be losing time, but yeah. I think the people like Vingegaard and the people that are actively fighting Vingegaard for this actual Dauphiné, those riders should not be losing any no. time on this terrain. Because like, while a Vingegaard might respond to an Alaphilippe, I don't know, can well, they Alaphilippe get away with two? Old school Alaphilippe would. Yeah. Current Alaphilippe, I'm not sure if he has the full confidence to go with that move. I kind of think do a that's, reverse not a, lead out. that's not a bad idea to just full send him and Vingegaard will be able to follow and Vingegaard will just work with you for GC. Yeah, that's a possibility. Or you are you 1-2 where you send Bajoli in the attack and you yeah. let Alaphilippe respond to people who then close Bajoli for you and then you, and you win the final sprint, something like that. But yeah. Okay. Multiple stuff is possible for, for a quick step for, for the victory tomorrow. Looking forward to the last hour, hour and a half. Um, Dauphiné is building up nicely. Vingegaard's got the lead yeah. that he expected. Can anyone challenge him? UAE, I think, are looking the most likely. Their team looks very, very good, and Yates looks very sharp. So Hinley and Noah Connor also have to be considered. So it's working up towards a nice weekend. And we've got the first medium mountain test tomorrow for everybody. But I hope you enjoyed the podcast, and we'll see the recap of tomorrow's stage then. Till then, ciao. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 